We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some of the few undefeated teams in the country. There was that Fox Sports tweet that had like all the undefeated teams. We were on there. Yeah. As a really small Cal script. Like Clemson's was like an eighth of the page. Every week I text my two most diehard friends that are Oregon fans. And the text says, uh, you know, depending on our record. Oh, you aren't 2-0? Don't know the feeling. <laughs> Can't relate. So they're loving me. Oh man! All right. I mean, I guess first, first a couple things of housekeeping. Um, if you don't know, this is the Bearcast, and you can find us anywhere, wherever you're listening to this right now. You have somehow found us. So uh, once again, please give us a like, subscribe, and all that good stuff. You can also email us at cgbbearcast@gmail.com for any questions. I put out a tweet earlier today asking if people had questions. And to email cgbbearcast at gmail.com. One person emailed. About eight people replied to the tweet with questions. I'm thinking we go to what the people want and we just let them ask questions there and not force them to write an email. Uh, you know, the only reason I asked them to send an email is just so it's easier for us to uh, aggregate that before. Because otherwise we have to like search through the tweet and like look through the replies to figure out where it was. But then an email, it's just you just have them all there in your inbox, right? So glad we started today off with our old man complaining. I know, right? It just makes it easier. Please help us. Please help us make this easier. <laughs> um, but yeah, how was your weekend, Andy? I know you you spent the week weekend in uh in New Orleans. Yeah, I tried to tweet a little bit about it. So I had this grand plan uh, being down in New Orleans. Uh, I was going to watch. So I had bought. Galactic tickets and Galactic, if you haven't heard of them, is awesome funk bands. Um, if you ever see them in town, go see them. Great, uh, one of the better funk bands to come out of New Orleans, and uh, they're playing at Tipitina's, which is like a legendary venue down there. And so I bought these tickets, fully knowing that the Cal game was starting at nine thirty. So here's my logic, and my head was okay. Cal game's gonna start at nine thirty. Show starts at ten, um, and then 
I would miss the opening act, get to the show maybe 11.45, 12, and see the majority of the Cal game. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> Four minutes into the game, lightning strikes eight miles away. Everybody leaves the field, and I'm immediately like, wow, this is going to be really interesting. So uh decide at that moment that it's time to go to the concert. Go to the concert till Smart move. Smart move. 1.30 in the morning. Great set. Come back. Go to Bourbon Street to grab a slice of pizza and then go back to the hotel room. And I caught the, I think, the entire second half till 3.45 in the morning. And I was in the hotel room and you were trying to call me. Yeah, I was. And I could not talk because... I had already gotten in trouble for yelling at the television when that wasn't called. And I will come back to this when it was not called a touchdown. I, when it was called a touchdown, I turned around to my wife and I, let's go. When it was called a touchdown. Sorry. uh, Sorry. When, uh, so when, when Kakoa got the ball down, sorry, that was wrong. When Kakoa got the ball down to like a three yard line, to the three, I got a let's effing go. Then when I thought it was a touchdown, when everyone thought it was a touchdown, I screamed, (laughs) And then, and then, I I will literally I guess we're no longer like safe for work. So I can say this: I turn when the like refs aren't calling a touchdown. I turn them off. They're fucking us again. <laughs> and she's looking at me like, "What is wrong with you?" And the walls of the Hilton are super thin. Like I've heard conversations like the whole time I've been staying there. So uh, yeah, it was. It was one of those funny nights. I was supposed to go watch the game at Manning's and like be at this classic venue, but like everything just like worked a different way. And so I ended up kind of watching in isolation. But sometimes it's better because you know I'm I'm tough to be around in those moments. Unless you're you're one of those as well. Unless you're yeah, a, yeah. like you know the diehard Cal types. Because yeah. otherwise, you're looking at me like, dude, like what is going on? That, that was the exact same thing for me. I was in LA for a wedding. Wedding ended. Um, the, so the wedding venue closed at 9.30. So I was like, okay, my expectation was, all right, I'll miss the first half. This so game started at 7.30. I'll, you know, grab grab one of the empty handles or bottles that they have at the wedding. A handle? As, as I'm leaving. <laughs> you were expecting the L, I know. <laughs> and I was going to head back to the hotel and watch the game, you know, in peace and silence. All that happens, the game, so the wedding, <laughs> here's my little story, all right? You gave a story, so I'm going to give a story yeah. to you. Wedding ended at 9.30. Lots and lots of drunk people, of course. Wedding. <laughs> we go back to my hotel room because there were a couple people that were way too drunk to get themselves home. We wow. lay We lay them out on my bed. Wow. Then me and a friend decide to go to the Airbnb where the, uh, the bridal party was staying at because they wanted to hang out a little bit more. Go there. Then her brother calls and is in Koreatown. We're in Pasadena, by the way. Is in Koreatown, and he needs a pickup because he he got drunk uh, with his friends just on a night out, and she lives in Chino Hills. So we go to K Town, we pick him up, we go back to my hotel, grab the two people um, that are knocked out, put her in her car. She takes them back to her place in Chino Hills so they can all all knock out because she lives with their parents. So like they just they have rooms. That's approximately one. When so you, I when I got have you back, been following the game at all at this point, I was I was following the stat feed that we use when we're in the uh, stadium. 
And so I, you know, I'm following, I'm following, following. I get back to the hotel and I turn on the TV. It's about one. It's it's like right entering into the fourth quarter. So I was like, <laughs> what the what the hell is going on right now? It's one in the morning and it's about to enter the fourth quarter. Yeah. And so I had worn my Oski socks all day at the wedding because, of course, game day. So I needed something Cal. I immediately changed into my Cal football t-shirt, which I brought with me, by the way. And I wore a Cal sweater down just because it's cold up here and it's hot down there. So air, airplane, air conditioning, all that. So I put all that on, blast the AC to like 72 degrees. And I just, we're watch, I'm watching the game alone, of course, in the hotel room. And then... I can't watch the kick. I think it's the alcohol that that was in me at the time. Like I was just way too like, you know, I was just like, I can't watch this. I can't watch this. So I, I turn on the TV volume to about like 35 and I go face plant on the bed and I hear the snap. I hear the kick and I'm just waiting for the announcers to say, and he misses it wide, right? But then no, of course we get the, and he knocks it through the uprights and I jump off the bed and I just stand, I run in front of the TV and I just stand there with my arms wide, like, like the Leonardo da Vinci, the hero pose, the hero pose. Yeah. And I'm just standing. I, I legitimately, I think stood there for about five minutes in that pose. (laughs) And this was after the replays of the field goal too. So I didn't even get to see the actual field goal happen. And then, so I didn't see that field goal until I checked Twitter the morning after at like seven 30 in the morning. And then I saw Cal Football's Twitter feed, and it had the the like the replay of the field goal in live time. And I was, and I tweeted it out. I was like, "This is the first time I've seen a field goal in in real time." Oh, I was close. I mean, I felt I had a moment of, do I just do the exact same thing that you described? Because I was where I was watching the television made a lot of sense. I was like, "Do I even watch this?" So I guess this will just blend perfectly into my one of the points that I have, which is. If it wasn't the most like, so all right, let me. I, I wrote this down well. I also so, I also just want to point out to all the listeners, Andy and I are texting throughout this entire like last three minutes of the game. Yeah, and and I'm like, I just need to talk to someone. That's why I'm calling Andy. Andy's like, I can't pick up the phone right now, and he's texting me back. Like you're calling me now? Like, come on, <laughs> like hanging on to my thread here. Uh, okay. So point number one. Okay. That was a touchdown. Oh, by the uh, way, this is how we're going the podcast schedule for the rest of the year now. We fig- we had a lot of good feedback about the setup instead of doing what we had done in years past with these little six points going back and forth talking about the game and if they overlap or if we if we you know don't agree with each other's points, kind of talking about it. And I think people like this a lot more. So this will be the format of the podcast going forward. Yeah. So I just we I just want to let people know because we said last week we're like. This is experimental. We're not sure if we'll keep it this way, uh, but I think I think people liked it. So this is the format we're seeing. So yeah, and leave comments. We love comments. We do all comments. We do. So if you have thoughts on uh, format or what sound you like, quality, what you don't like, yeah, leave the comments. Yep. It helps a ton. Yep, it really does. All right, Andy, first point. Go. Okay, so that was a touchdown, <laughs> and I could probably <laughs> ran on that for a while. So I'll go through like my key points. It is an unbelievably bad call for the for the referees to not have called it a touchdown on the field the original call the original call should have been a touchdown and then they go to review it on the fact that it was a touchdown three quarters of the man's body were in the end zone 
my buddy today, Antonio, shout out Antonio, gave me, I was talking about this with him at softball. And he said, the only way it wasn't a touchdown is if a referee saw Chris Brown holding the ball at his ankles. And I was like, that's exactly right. And obviously he wasn't holding the ball at the ankles. So anyways, um, I was quite livid about this and still am. Um, because from the referee's perspective, even if you're blocked, if you see the full body in the end zone, like to, to have placed the ball where they did and then to have made that call, it just like defies all logic. And it was the most classically Cal thing that I had seen, you know, in some time, <laughs> maybe since the cheese bowl. But this one That's in particular ago, because the of, uh, yeah, <laughs> was not. Um, in some ways, this game reminded me of that a little bit. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, okay, if it if it was classically Cal, how yeah. do we lose that game? How do we lose that game? What's the what's the other parallel universe version of this game? Is what you're asking, right? So, because that's where I, my head was at. I was like, you know, something goes wrong, and okay. I have a list of things that could have gone wrong. So, that, uh, and okay. then the last one's a joke. So, I want to see uh, which ones. You if I can, check if off I can list. check any of them off the list. All right, yeah. all right. So that was third down, by the way. Yeah, that was third down. So we only have one more down to kick it. Yeah, exactly. With about, I think, was it twelve seconds left on the clock? I believe. Something, something like that. Because they ended up with eight after the kickoff. And they, yeah, they and, had eight. I remember yeah. they having eight left. I don't know how much. Yeah, I think left. it was about, it takes about four seconds for the for the kick to go through. So, all right. Um, well, first, the easy one is we missed the field goal. Yep. Second one is we, we muffed the, we muffed the, uh, the snap. Yep. That's um, my third. Mm-hmm. Another one is we try to fake it and go for the killer. <laughs> And, my, and we dude. either fumble or so, and we we just we don't get in the end zone. Oh, uh, that's great. That was my joke. I've like that was my joke one, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. that's like the farthest one that's apart. The fourth. Okay. Uh, do I got another one? There's one obvious uh, one you're missing. Am I? Yeah. Oh wow. It, what what is the obvious one? Well, I it, felt like the missing the field goal would be the obvious one. Yeah, but there's two. There's multiple ways that you. Can oh, a doink. Well, that. Uh, but I was actually thinking it gets blocked. So oh, you have okay. like okay. missed field goal, wide left, wide right, or whatever, blocked field goal, fumbled snap, fake field goal. Those were my four. Uh, you can obviously have the upright. Yeah. Yeah, you can have the doink. Um, <laughs> I mean, we did have a doink in this game, right? That 50-yarder by that Washington kicker uh, to knock it in. And, man, man. That was when I just kind of felt, oh, okay, this is going to be Washington's game, isn't it? That was when you texted me. Yeah, that was when I texted you and I said, I think this game's over. Yep. Yeah, this I doesn't have the feeling of it. Yep. So that was <laughs> my are, first point. Those I mean, are some those are some good parallel universe situations. <laughs> That's I mean, it's just where my head was at. I, it's it's been a, a lifetime of <laughs> crazy things happening like and uh, you know what, though? the beautiful thing about this era right now is it just when you say classic cow, it just doesn't seem to go that direction. No, it doesn't. Um you know, I will say though my heart sank to my stomach when they ran their version of the play and Eason passes it out wide, I think, to Fuller. And then Fuller throws it back to Eason. And when Eason caught that second ball, and I was like, oh, no. There was a split second when Eason caught it because they completed two passes on that, right? Mm. And I was like, oh, oh, please, please get him down because he's the most immobile out of probably the guys they had trying to push down the field. So... You have to get them down here. Otherwise, everyone's in disarray because everyone's shifting from sideline to sideline. 
And like after, if the third one completes, I'm like, we don't, we have no idea what's gonna happen. So this is where we needed to kill it. Thankfully, yeah. we did. Thankfully, we did. I carried a same level of, like, I don't know if it's fear or anxiety <laughs> or just like it's everything emotion. It's everything. It was just at a very steady level yeah. <laughs> from a very long time. And then trying to go to bed. So obviously, you have like the Twitter storm oh, after. Yeah, yeah. Just like the best moments on Cal Twitter are always after these types of wins, wins or losses. You just tweet anything you want. <laughs> you could tweet the alphabet, and people will give you like forty-five <laughs> likes for it, and be like awesome this guy's having a good time um and then trying to go to sleep because it's 3 45 in the morning and i've decided that i'm gonna wake up early of course after all this and go to a spin class so um by the way i tweeted out a picture of uh the espn predictions for um, week two of which bill bill colony or bill Connolly, doug uh kazarian adam rittenberg who's I actually like Adam Rindberg's work too, but he's actually from Berkeley. He didn't go to Berkeley, but he's actually from the city. Um, and Alex Scarborough, they all wrote little blurbs. But then all the other writers, Ashoff, Behrman, Bonagura, Dinich, Hale, Johnson, Conjunior, Lowe, Meisel, uh, Schlabach, Van Haren, all picked Washington to win. Yeah, I think the one I liked the least was the guy that justified it by calling our secondary good. And yeah, Eason. Alex Scarborough. He said, Cal's yeah. secondary is good, but Easton is better. That, Washington 34-20. That one really, really got me pissed off. But I'm not going to – I have to, you know, have my own E-Crow moment. I, I mean, I definitely called it a loss on the podcast last week. Yeah, so I, I tweeted that out yesterday at 9.42 a.m. It is now 9.21 p.m. on Monday – that's 147 likes. That's the most likes I've ever gotten on a tweet. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, with 25 retweets. I'm on a roll right now. <laughs> but yeah, it that was that's actually a good one. That was actually that was a good that was a good uh point to start off with to kind of recap and maybe run through what could have gone wrong. Yeah. Badly. Very badly. Um all right, I'll I'll say a point off of that of what you just talked about. The time management by the staff when the final five minutes of the game was excellent. Excellent. Especially when we got when we got that Kikoa pass down to the three yard line and we didn't call our timeout. We basically we basically I don't know if this is the right word, but we basically bluffed UW. We bluffed Peterson. We're just like, hey, we're down we're we're willing to just lower down the clock to like three seconds. We have we're willing to trust our kicker to just hit the field goal from wherever we are. Like you're gonna have to burn the timeouts if you wanna try and get us a st- get a stop from us. Which he did. And then he we moved the ball and then we shifted it to the middle, then we tried that run, which of course we just talked about and and then Thomas got the whew seventeen yarder to go in and beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a great point. Um I think that spills over really well and just to kind of like highlight not only the time management, but also just like the sequence of downs. So uh, the way that they decided to, I think, move Garbers, like move the ball over. Yeah. So they tried to, they tried to get into the end zone first. Yep. Then they moved on second down. They moved the, moved the ball to the middle of the field. Right. Then on third down, they tried to score the touchdown. Yeah. And then we kicked the field goal. So what I think you did by doing that is you kind of made the – I'm sure some of it 
put the defense in a more relaxed position. It's not like Chris Brown just waltzed into an end zone and they reversed. I mean, he got like he to his credit was dragging people with him. Um, well, that's probably what the that's probably what the other scare was would have been right if you didn't play this bluff of trying to force them to use a timeout is maybe Peterson just goes just let him score just open up a lane and just let him score yeah. that gives us thirty seconds plus to try and get down the field because if they're going to score anyways whether they score a touchdown or field goal we're going to have to score anyways. I thought so. about it and I still I mean when I mean we can flash back a little bit and when Peterson was originally going for it and then opted for the kick. Yeah. I was rooting for them to go for it. I would way rather have the defense out and uh, take my chances on the defense winning the game and put the offense in that position. So, I mean, I, I think like I would is not worried if they did open up and let us waltz in because I, we completely bottled up Easton. The offense looked I mean, the only offense that they really had that I saw that was impressive was when they were just running the ball, and they still needed four downs in order to to like you know even be effective with it to get a field goal. So I was like, oh okay, you can what are you gonna start passing on us after you haven't passed on us all game? Like, nah. That was true, but for me, I wanted I actually wanted them to kick the field goal because how many times does a kick the the likelihood of putting like a quarterback like Eason and he's he completed a couple passes to to Fuller down the field. And he had that one that he overthrew Fuller, which I think if he had uh, maybe yeah, tightened yeah. up just a little bit, that would have been an easy touchdown. So I was much more of the because they had yards to work with too, right? So you have the space to get behind our defense. I was like, I'd much rather take a chance on a on a kicker kicking a trying to kick a fifty yarder with like the game on his shoulders than you know a quarterback who's played in the SEC and is now playing in the Pac twelve with game experience, like mm. just needing to get that first down. Like not, he doesn't need to throw a touchdown. It's just, I think it was fourth and six, if I remember correctly. You just get the first down. So, I don't know. I personally would have, I wanted to take my chances on the kick. Hmm. And he, it, he doinked it in too. It hit the inside of the uprights. Wow. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We're on to me, huh? I think we are. Yeah. Okay. So, we'll go back to the top. Evan Weaver is obviously superhuman. I don't think there's anyone out there that would say anything otherwise. Bill Connolly in his uh, advanced stats tweet post, and he wrote three points above it, and one of them was Evan Weaver's a god. (laughs) He's superhuman. Uh, He was named the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week and the Walter Camp National National Defensive Player of the Week. Yep. He had 18 tackles, a forced fumble, and two tackles for loss. And he was literally everywhere. You would watch a play be on the opposite side of the field and from a tackle that he just made on the other side of the field, and he would then be in on that play. There were plays where he was just like leaping in, even though like the guy was about to go down, and Evan Weaver would have come soaring in out of nowhere. It was nuts to watch. So there's been one player, uh, or there's been, he's the first player to do that, to win those awards since this player on Cal. And I wanted to see, do you know who that player is? And as a follow-up question, player of the week for Pac-12 or defensive player of the week, the Walter camp, the, the national, national defensive player of the year yeah. or week. Yeah. Oh Lord. First player since blank. Okay. And what game was it from that player? Ooh. And if you need a clue, I got one. 
I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark here. Okay. My my Cal football knowledge also only goes back to maybe 06, 07. So okay. is it beyond that? No. Okay, so it's within that range. Of between 06, 07 and now? And now. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say Zach Follett, Tennessee, 07. Mm, more recent. Oh, more recent. Yeah. Mikey Mo, Stanford, 08. More recent. Oh, wow. Uh, I have one more clue. I can't All right, give me a clue. It's this regime. This regime? It has to be an Evan Weaver game then. Oh, yeah, I have no idea then. It's your boy. It's my boy. I got too many boys on the team. <laughs> what? I got too many boys. I mean, it's this regime, but the player's no longer here. It's this regime, but the player is no longer here? Mm-hmm. And it's your boy. Oh, Jordan Kanasic. Oh, yep. Oh, which game? Which game? Got any guesses? I can give you the year. Ole Miss? 2017. 2017? Two years ago? Yeah, I would say Ole Miss. Washington State. Oh. How could we forget the Freaky Friday game? How could we forget? Mm, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because he had multiple sacks that game. Yeah, and... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, was, I mean, unreal. multiple defenders had multiple sacks that game, but I and, mean, yeah, but we had so many interceptions. Yeah, that was a great Ray game. Davison had that crazy one where he like dove and caught it with one. Oh man, what a great game! What a great game to be at. Okay. Also, Evan Weaver is second in the country in tackles, solo and com- uh, assisted combined. He reminds me, and this is, I mean, they, they look nothing alike, but he reminds me of Erlacher. He does. Just yeah. fills up the stat sheets just mm-hmm. so fast and effortlessly. It's incredible. It's like the he has the speed of like a modern inside linebacker, but he plays like just an old school one. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like the ones we grew up watching. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, all right. Um, let's see. My turn. Um I'm gonna talk I'm gonna talk about some stats. Alright. Some stats that uh so he the, what are the two stats that Wilcox believes attributes to wins the most or helps teams win the most? Turnovers. Okay. And? Uh, that's yards, defense. Yards per carry. Yards per carry? No. Explosive plays. Okay. All right. So I'm going to go off of that. Turnover margin. Plus two. And not, as, not only is it plus two by addition subtraction it's plus two flat out we didn't give up any turnovers yeah zero interceptions zero fumbles we actually forced three fumbles but i think three fumbles from them we just only recovered one second part of that explosive place (laughs) there was this is a shout out to vlad because i had i watched the game and i charted all of the explosive plays and then my notes app on my iPhone decides to kind of like refresh itself or like break down as I'm writing, writing it and all goes to moot. Yeah. Face, face, face ball. So, um, I tweeted out, I was like, does anyone have that off the top of their head? And Vlad was like, I think I have, like, I can count the numbers real quick, which he did for me. So these, thank you, Vlad. Here's your shout out. This is what they are. There's, there were seven plays between 10 and 20 yards gained. Four runs, Garbers with a 13 and 17-yard run, Dancy with an 11, and CBJ with a 10. Three passes, Crawford with an 11 and a 10 and a 19. 
And then there were five 20-plus yard plays, four on the ground, and Crawford with the lone pass play that went for 20-plus yards, which was the one that set up the field goal. So you have a total of 12 plays. Do you know how many total plays Cal had? No. I will get you that number. (laughs) Sorry, I just needed to pull up another picture. And that play that they ran to get Crawford the ball and set up the block that he went underneath yeah, to Nico. spring him. Yeah. That was one of the and better play designs that I've seen. One of the things, too, with Nico, which was very smart, is that as soon as he saw Kikoa turn the corner, he didn't push the defender. Because the moment the moment he put, if he, if he had extended his hands, regardless of if he touched him or not, they're going to call a block in the back. Because the defender was already turning, chasing after uh, Kakoa. So great move by Nico there to like just hold up. Just yeah. to make sure like he has... Just knowing that your teammate has the speed to outrun the other guy. <laughs> just being like, yeah, I don't need to touch him. It's awesome. Yeah. I thought he was going to score. So 12, 12 explosive plays. 10 to ten or 20 plus yards. What was our plays total plays for the game? You think? 67. The national average of place is 69. What was our total? 56. Wow. So 12 out of the 56 plays we ran on offense went for 10 plus or 20 plus yards. Do you have an idea of how that compares to last year? Last I year do not. Year? I do not have that off the top of my head. Off the but top? But where do you at gut feeling? Do you think that's better than last year's game or way lower, way lower, way lower? Our expl- our explosive plays last year was just in the teens. The whole season. Oh, you're oh you're talking about last year's way lower. Yeah, yeah. Okay, last year's way lower. So to have twelve out of the fifty six plays against UW, I think that's a solid, solid, solid. They made it a point of emphasis this year, right? Is explosive plays. The, the phrase explosive play, too, depends on how you interpret it. I think a lot of fans, when they hear explosive play, it's like they want the 50-yard touchdown throw from Davis to D-Rob, right? Yeah, definitely goes in my head as being one of those. Yeah, but realistically, it should be counted anywhere between 10 to 20-plus yards, which basically, in, in effect, gets you either one or two first downs on a single single play. That's what explosive plays do. It's those chunk plays to eat up mm. the yards. Because think about it. You're on the let's say you're on the forty. If you get to the fifty yard line and you don't convert that first down, you have to punt. But if a guy gets you twenty plus yards from the forty yard line, that lands you within their forty yards in their territory. You don't need to kick up. You don't need to punt. That's a field goal opportunity. So getting those chunk yards helps you not only sustain the drive, but get you closer in order to get more points per drive. Yeah, sure. It makes sense. So it seems like very situational football. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Very good. So on, I think on to you, sir, within that, yes, uh, it leads in well to where I think I will provide the dissenting mm. opinion. Mm. I do have a couple of those too. Okay, sweet. So here I go. All right. Week two, <laughs> same thing as last week. Garbers has done nothing to inspire confidence. <laughs> Garbers has done nothing to inspire me uh, to have any confidence in him. <laughs> He's a game manager in my mind and in my eyes, and it's really all this team needs, but I have a feeling 
Like my hypothesis is that fan appetite is going to grow for more than that. The better the the def- the defense kind of becomes. Yeah. Um, and I know he had a good last drive. He did. But he still looks like a quarterback that has a noodle arm, <laughs> which I've been saying. I, I swear, if any member of the family there, I'm going to get blocked again by a second straight Cal quarterback family member. <laughs> um, but I, I just don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't see it. But I, I just. I cannot help like, but thinking like the first thought after this game was go out and get a quarterback in the recruiting class. Like go out and take this win and be like. Why would you commit to Washington? Say what they used to say about us. Why would you commit to Cal? Remember those days, the Sark days? They would literally say, why would you commit to Cal? And laugh. Why don't we go and say, why would you commit to Washington? You have better education. You don't have to put up with lightning storms that take three hours in the middle of the summer. uh, And you can come be a star. And we badly need that because there's such a high ceiling that this team can get to when you have somebody that can play this position um, and you see the importance of what a defense can do to shut down, you know, the premier level talents. If you pair somebody that did have that ability, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, winning totally messes up your expectations because when you say things to me, like, you know, we're doing the, like with the Utah model, I'm like, yeah, great. Give me eight and four. But then I see these this game, and I'm like, eight and four. <laughs> like, forget eight and four. This team could compete on a national level. Um, and so I think I, you know, it's one of those things where I know my own frustrations are because my appetite is going to get bigger. Um, and I I know that there was progression in this week that should be celebrated. But I also am sticking hard to that perspective where. Um, you know, we're two weeks in, and I haven't changed a single thought that I've had from the beginning of the year in regards to our quarterback play. Yeah, I think that's those are absolutely valid points. Um, I actually had a point on Garbers here too, which is basically what you just said, just in a glass half glass half full type of sentencing or verbiage. It's Garbers is our cool game manager, doesn't force anything, and plays as the def- as the defense gives him space. Right? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, as our friend uh, Peter out, out east would say, he's playing the Alex Smith role. Just the cool, calm, collected game manager. Doesn't need to sling it. Got a great defense behind him. Got a great running running back behind him. If you need to make throws, it's the simple, any throw, like, within 10 yards. You just make the easy completion and let the let the guys do the rest. I mean, I think we have enough playmakers at wide receiver to be able to do that now. But yeah, I mean, ultimately that comes down to your expectation of what you expected Garbers to be, right? Yeah. And that's also that's also just elevated or expanded by the fact that we had guys like Jared and, and Davis that we've seen over the last five plus years. Um, and you expect more, you, you expect your quarterbacks to be like that. Not to that, maybe that to that level, but you know, somewhat close to it. And so, yeah, I'm looking at it going, maybe this is, maybe this is garbage ceiling. Maybe this is as best as the, the best we're going to get out of this How kid. How many games have we seen from him now? Eight? No, I, it, pretty sure it's in the double digits. If you include all the games from last year. 10. Yeah. Probably 10 or 11. 
It's hard to he, have. Oh, 10 okay. He games. don't. He only didn't. He don't. He did not play in two games last year. Which means, what we played, thirteen games last season. So eleven plus another two. So he's at thirteen. Granted, like maybe six or seven of those from last season, he split time with Brandon McIlwain. But, um, yeah, about thirteen. Yeah. Thirteen games in. I think when you're that far in, you're you're starting to to see. I mean, there will be progression, hopefully. Um, it was weird watching Ross seemingly start well against Utah. Yeah. That was like a weird feeling. Um, but then Utah. Yeah, they crumbled. Yeah. Got it together. So it's, you know, it's just one of those weird things. I mean, there's no absolutely zero evidence to, in my mind to suggest a change in outlook at all. <laughs> so in this the thing that concerns me about it is going in, and I think someone tweeted this out today. Maybe it was Abby. Um, uh, he said, you know, someone said about this Cal team that they can go into any game. I think it was DeRoyter said that this Cal team can go into any game and win, but they also can't go into any game and, uh, like, not expect to lose. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that, I think, is because of our offense. <laughs> Like, and it's because when I look at this North Texas game, we can't overlook this game and we can't start looking at Ole Miss and going on the road in the SEC because the offense could come out and just do nothing for two quarters and, and we don't score any points. And that is the risk. And that is the 2019 risk of Cal football. I do say in terms of that, I feel like they, the team may, might have done that for UC Davis in this week. Mm-hmm. And I think they might have learned their lesson to see how flat they came out and thought they could just win it based off of athleticism. Sure. Um, it's a good point. And I think, I also think the staff won't let them get complacent in that. Like it'll, they'll, they'll probably push them to be more hungry. Right. Like just, just push the whole, like we're two and zero. we have a, we have a team coming in this week and we have the chance to go three and zero. We're not looking at that SEC game. We're going to get to three and zero first. Then we'll look to go four and zero. And, you know, it's just you build off of those one. They talk about it all the time. We take it week by week. We take it win by win or loss by loss. So, yeah, I don't think I don't think they'll overlook him. Um, maybe some some guys on the team might, you know, in terms of their preparation, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't. I think they learned a lesson at Davis. Good. We will see on Saturday. We will. We will. All right. Here's my little spiel on the, the game flow, in my opinion, as I saw the game. Um, so I did rewatch the game, by the way. Uh, so I'm, I'm going off of this. I'm not just going off of what I saw in the fourth quarter in my hotel room. Um, last week's, last week, this was weird. Last week, the defense settled in as the game progressed, right? This week, I kind of felt like the offense kind of settled in as the game progressed, regardless of how many they scored like that's not what i'm talking about it's just they looked more composed they looked like they knew what they were they wanted to do out there and that's albeit apart from execution of what they wanted to do but everyone kind of it it looks like they kind of know what their roles are right like when chris brown's in there when he gets the ball he's like i know what i'm supposed to do i'm not i'm not trying to score a touchdown on every time i get the ball which he can try to do but i'm here to get the yards Dancy's like I'm just here to make one guy miss and try to get more yards. Like 
it kind of had that feel to it where they just kind of as the game progressed settled in and was just like okay this is the type of play calling that's going to happen this is when i'm going to be placed in this is what i'm going to be asked to do and i'm just going to execute that to to my fullest so i thought that was a nice little plus um and especially with well will craig is now out for the season and so we have we now have Probably Metower playing in there and then moving Kerhan out to left tackle. So, yeah, Metower probably left guard and then we'll move Kerhan out to left tackle. And I think that's fine. McCade is a huge dude, too. He's not going to be pushing around that easy. And we, we he didn't play the entire UW game, which, in my opinion, is the silver lining in not having Will Craig this season is we arguably played the arguably the best defensive line we'll see all year. And we played decently well. Yeah. Like, not great, not average, but just somewhere right in between there. And so, yeah, I think we'll be okay on that front. There's enough depth and there's enough coaching by Greatwood there that I think we'll fill in. Same. Um, but based off of that that whole, uh, what's it, offense-defense thing, is that I'll talk about the well, the running backs. So the both both running backs, did you know, did not lose a single yard in this game. If you look at the stat, if you look at the stat sheet, they're all gains. There's no losses. There's zero yards lost on both. Um, but here's the here's the carry distribution: sixteen for Chris Brown Jr., seven for Marcel Dancy, and thirteen for Garbers. That includes sacks. So I think he's sacked four times. So if you exclude that, he ran maybe nine. So that's a pretty good distribution, in my opinion. If you if you're con- if we're considering CBJ to be our lead back, oh, it's way better than Davis. Oh yeah, way way better, way better than the thirty. So that's why I also think maybe it was just a ploy. Maybe it was just a ploy to just be like, yeah, we're not going to show off the skill set in this game. Hmm. Yeah, Chris Brown's running so well, and he'll and he can kind of get the thirty six carries to get his cadence building into into UW, and which he did. He, I mean, that was solid sixteen carries, but also. All three guys who ran the ball, Garbers, CBJ, and Marcel Dancy. What do you think their individual averages were at rushing? I think I saw Chris Brown above five. I think everyone was might have been above five. Exactly. All three guys above five yards to carry. Yeah. Which is great to see. So, triple option? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're watching the Army Michigan game, sure, dude. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Why not? Um, and then one more thing based off the offense. I have a little like addendums to the offense point I had. I think Kekoa Crawford, I think, is our new kind of Ainoa. I feel like he's the clutch wide receiver guy that we're just gonna go to when we are in times of need. Like he's just gonna get open somehow. Which he did against that his first touchdown last week. His second one was like, of course, we say it was a bad throw by Garbers. On by all accounts, it was. But to like focus on it with the tip and keep your toes like inbounds as he's like tiptoeing, like leaning out of bounds to catch that ball to call it a TD. And then this run here, like he had the he had the smarts to to cut back inside, even though Nico, I think, kind of missed this block, but just did enough on the little chip to get him, get him that space and get down to the three. He carried a guy. He carried a defender for I think close to three or four yards. I, I mean, think, I think he's that guy. Yeah, it would be great. I think 
uh, so far it's definitely proven that. And it was interesting being New Orleans with a Michigan fan um, who was telling me, he was like, oh, yeah, that guy, Kuko, you got, he's good. You know, he's a big-time recruit that we had. He just said he had trouble with drops. Yep. So that's the big thing is that's the rap out on right now is like from Michigan, from a Michigan diehard Michigan fan. Oh, I, he just had issue with drops. I think his targets catch from last, from the Davis game was 8-5. and five. I think this game was nine and five. Wow. So not terrible no. in my opinion. I mean, we'd have I'd have to go back and chart they're all, not the, all the passes. They're all they're not, not they're not all catchable balls. Yeah. Lord so knows. But yeah, your next point. Uh I just wanted to take a brief aside okay. and uh definitely say that I think you called last week that the Davis game defensive game plan was vanilla. Uh, and that we weren't doing any of the stunts or disguises that we would do against like, an opponent like Washington, mm-hmm. and like that was literally to a T spot on. Exactly what happened in this game. Um, they brought everything. Everything. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think that it was incredibly fortuitous that we got Washington early. Yep. Uh, it allowed us to send, you know, that last drive a ton of pressure and Easton just didn't have rapport yet with a single receiver to just throw it up in one-on-one coverage and i mean we got we definitely had to benefit on one of those drops over the middle but yeah by fuller yeah yeah on the in the eight on the eight seconds and on that final drive for them to get the field goal there were two yeah so uh getting them early felt super important Yep. In that regard. And uh and it was one of those things. I mean, it was a nice perspective to have too because when I was watching the Michigan game with a diehard Michigan fan and was watching them be like, Oh, we're gonna lose to Army, to Army, how could we lose to Army? <laughs> and I was like, Well, we're playing Washington. So I was like, if we lose this game, it's kind of whatever. Eh, because yeah, we'll move on. No one expected us to win this game and and it's also the second week of the season. You can afford a loss like that. With the loss you can't afford is the loss to Army, you know? Yeah. So I liked it, too, from that perspective. It felt like, I mean, I'm sure Stanford is bummed right now, but they're not going to, if anyone is thinking they're just going to, like, fold up and be like, oh, we lost Pac-12 North because we lost to SC. Like, no way. Not a chance. Washington, Washington <laughs> does does hurt a lot from this. But even still, like they might be able to come back, and if they rattled off a winning streak, they'd probably pop right back up to you know being in the top team uh, position yeah. that they were in before. So. The only part of this that feels good over the next couple of weeks, or not the only part, but one of the biggest biggest parts, is that for the next like three weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. For the next three weeks, when we're looking at we're, when we're looking at the standings, we're going to be at the top of the Pac-12 North for the next three weeks. That's a very good look. Yeah, it's a great look. <laughs> Go out and recruit quarterbacks. Which, Go out and recruit them. On that on that note, we actually do have a quarterback already committed to the class. We I have know. a three-star dual threat. Third number, the 31st best, 30th best. I want a five-star. <laughs> give me a five-star quarterback, please. Uh, please give me a five-star quarterback. All right. I'll, I'll ha- I have uh, a negative note about the game. Okay. Special teams coverage was a very big issue. We yeah. bled yards on kickoff returns. A lot. I don't know what happened, but uh, let me put up. Uh, I have their average. You can take that a step further and say special teams has been mediocre for two straight games. Washington's and it's also been holding us back in S&P Plus. Yep. 
Washington's uh, average field position in this game was thirty five point two. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they're getting that. They're basically if it, if, you, if we're calling every kickoff a touchback, they're getting ten, 10 yards. Yeah, it's big. Oi. Yeah, I, I I don't I think I tweeted something out about Regal needs to spend the lightning break getting his guys back in check. Yeah, uh, it's hard to criticize special teams while having your kicker win you the game. Um, but definitely from a coverage standpoint, I think like there's a lot it, there's a lot to be desired. It is one of those units though that is susceptible to early season issues because you are going to play some of your younger guys in those spots most often. Um, and so it takes them a couple games to kind of get used to the game flow. And then over time it gets better and better. So I'm, I mean, obviously Regal is like one of our top coaches, so I'm more than willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but, um, you hate to see it again in that type of game. And that's probably a great place to, uh, you know, talk about the negatives of playing early and playing an opponent like that early, or is that some of that type of stuff is present. Whereas, if it was a November game, it might not be there. Do you have any other ones? Points? Yeah. Plenty. Yes. Um, I got two more after this, but the two can kind of be merged into one. So Yeah, mine are, mine are pretty easy. I think um, I just wanted to get your thoughts, uh, Dancy and Brown. If you, were, if you were head coach, who do you put in at the end of the game? Oh, at the end of the game? So when we got the ball to the three, yeah. Crawford, who are you putting in? In, If it was the game flow of that Washington game, right? Not just in an isolated third down and three from the goal, three to the end zone. I'd have to put in Dancy at that point um, just because I'd have to ride the hot hand. He's got two touchdowns, one on a designed touchdown run. The other one on a – he just bounced it back counter to the left side totally broken play totally broken play and he just got out there which by the way key block by garbers on that run holy moly that guy he lowered his shoulder and just just was like nope you're not getting anywhere near my running back i watched that play maybe eight times because it was great to just like replay it and then i was like what was this play design i was like trying to understand like what was happening and why dancy was like yeah, when Almost he hit like running into his like, his right tackle, yeah, and then you like, were like, "Oh, okay, this is this play's broken." Yeah, I was like, "What is happening here? Is this, this design?" And then, uh, yeah, and then Garbers comes up, and and, and it, I watched it the first time, and you're like, "Oh, that's a good block." I watched it the second time, I was like, "Oh, that was a great block." I watched it the fourth time, and I saw the defender like rolling, like actually get yeah. pancaked almost, yeah. and I was like, "That is embarrassing for a defender." It was. Awesome. It was yeah. great. It was the awareness great by Chase to to run ahead and yeah. to see that and to hit him, like, oh, game-changing play. Yep. Absolutely game-changing play. Um, and then also, yeah, but I think you'd have to run with Dancy there. But I think the the RIP moment for any Washington defender was that Chris Brown stiff arm, number 16, whoever number 16 is on the UW defense, uh, ad- ad- addicted to quack, ATQ, the, the Oregon SB Nation website, tweeted at me with that. Uh, and they were like, he should just retire there. And I was like, might as well just, just have his tombstone right there. Like <laughs> he just buried him straight into the ground. And you we're going to see a lot more of that. Yeah. I can't wait. I hope there's t-shirts. Yeah. you got to love the Oregon fans and how much they despise Washington uh-huh. because they all come out to cheer us. Yep. <laughs> it's really yep. awesome. That's great. That's great. Really great. 
Uh, all right, here's my pseudo. Uh, yeah, pretty much my last one. So it's kind of two. Do you want to hear the good one? They're both about the defense, but do you want to hear the good one first or the bad one first? Let's go with the dissenting opinion. Okay. The bad one is um, Brett Johnson is amazing, but in this game clearly showed his conditioning issues. Um, just not conditioning in the sense of like Tory Becton and the staff has done a thing. It's just playing in a college game, like his second college game ever. And like becoming a starter on the defensive end in a game like this with like them, their offensive line just, you know, experienced and playing pretty well. And you saw him towards the end of the game, especially on that last drive to get them the field goal. Like it panned to the the defensive lineman and you just saw him like panting, like Mm -hmm. and like gassed. And so I don't, I don't think it'll be an issue. Like I think he'll, his body will try, will gain or gain that cadence like of of a rhythm like they talk about with soccer players right like some guys actually say like entering a game as fresh legs with 15 minutes left in the game is harder than to be playing for 60 plus minutes because sure. your your breaths are longer like your legs might be tired but your your whole, your whole cardiovascular system is has found that rhythm of when yeah. to run when to rest and all that so i feel like he'll get to that point but i'm just weary of for we might be asking so much of a of a young you know 17 18 year old from a physical standpoint. So when you say conditioning issues, are you in focusing not so much on issues? These issues haven't been documented or something like that. This is more of just like conditioning as a true freshman and getting used to the college schedule. Yeah. Yeah. That part. Okay. Yeah. I'm not talking about like the staff didn't do a good enough job of like prepping his body to play college sports. It's just his body's just not used to like when it should be giving its all. Like when it should be like re- recovering yeah. and, and just making sure like his body is constantly in check. It doesn't know how to play a full 60 minute football game. And I think that's fair. I think that the thing about that game in particular was you, you did on that drive see a lot of blitzes to kind of get pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then us just being like, yep, we'll Island our DBs. And Trey had this, uh, oh, the PI, mm-hmm. Well, or, yeah, no, he well, that had, one too. Um, like Trey, he had this one play, like where I think it was like one of the third downs, where we did send a lot of guys, and uh, Easton threw it out there, and they ended up getting the catch. And I swear it was like he was a millisecond late. Oh yeah, yeah, I and do remember what you're talking about. So perfectly timed that you almost just had to tip your cap to the offense because I thought he was. I thought if it was a half a second difference, that he almost could pick that up could have picked that mm-hmm. ball off the way that he broke that quickly. So um, I think uh, highlighting the defensive line for sure. And hopefully, you know, a North Texas Ole Miss and even like an ASU, like back to back to back beefs everybody up a little bit um, and somebody shows out. So I think that's a great thing to like look for in these next couple of games is like hope that you know, it doesn't have to be Brett Johnson, but just hope that somebody on the D line, like, Luke, like, the, starts to really show up as a problem. Yeah. Um, I think of... Uh, yeah, it's like you just want one of those, like, names that the offensive coordinator just kind of... The opposing offensive coordinator just puts on the board. Yeah. You know, like, from a defensive lineman, like, talking to the O-line. This guy. We're doubling him every snap, like, on the defensive line. Uh, I can't believe I've forgotten. I, I'm thinking of, uh, like, Looney. Yeah. 
And, you know, his progression was kind of like one of those guys that ended up making a name for himself, I feel like, uh, his third year. And it was a little bit delayed. Like, we need, we could use something like that to really happen. And um, I'm still waiting on that Gabe Cherry breakout. Yeah, same here. (laughs) From defensive end. All right. And so my last point based off of that is that This defense statistically won't get to the point that it was last year. But, judging from this game and the UC Davis game, this defense is is definitely better because, one, they're more athletic. Two, they're bigger. And three, they're just, more, they're just longer. Like, everyone that they play across. The, uh, someone tweeted out, um, who was it? I can't remember who tweeted. Oh, it actually might have been Bill Connolly, but he tweeted out. He's like, "How is Cal getting away with playing like seven guys that are six five and two seventy five on defense? <laughs> like, how is that? How is that possible?" Um, and it's pretty much a test, a testament to the recruiting and just the the coaching up of those guys. And so that's why I think this defense is going to be better. But just statistically, I don't think we'll get there because we're our defense, at least from our, from our defensive perspective, our defense won't ever be ever overlooked. Yeah, by any by sure. any any offensive coordinator the rest of the way, and I honestly think that's a good thing. I, I think it's a good thing to move away from a, the defense of last year in the sense I would be concerned if we were still like not concerned, but you remember that defense that we had in the Dykes era, Which where one? we got all of the we had all the turnovers kind of go our way. Oh so, uh, yeah, yeah. I that was, was the Jared's the last year, 2015 yeah, year. Because we were like, leading that. I think we we're number one or le- number two in the country in interceptions yeah. leading into that Utah game. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And so that sort of felt like an identity of luck. Yeah. And what I like about this defense in particular is the identity shifts and changes as it should, and it can be a defense that plays a little bit of that you know not like it's not prevent but it's uh like well, bend, it, not break well i mean it's the tedford defenses that were really good right yeah. the whole bend not break thing yep you know and if you get a solid drive and you score three points like all right that's fine we can live with that but then there are also drives where we're just going to shut you down and you're not going to get anything you're going to have to go three and out and it's so much fun to watch it is it's just a ton of fun to watch and i would take it every day of the week over the the offense that we got to see in the Dykes era. The offense was cool. This is just way more fun for me. I love the idea of being able to take an offense that looks like the offense that we used to run and just completely bottle them up. It's yep. incredible. I was reading a I was reading a soccer book the other day. And uh I think this is a good point that also flips over to football is what they were talking about was that when you're running a defense and if you have a good defense the reason that's harder is because a defense is reactionary. You're basing it. You have to react based on what the other offense is going to do. And it's easier to get an offense up to par because you're the ones executing it. And it's based on how well you execute. Whereas a defense, if you don't teach them the right rotations, the right calls, the right, like, you know, they're talking about soccer. So, you know, the back line, like maintaining its structure um, and no, guys knowing like when to pressure, when to back off, then that defense could crumble instantly because you have to react based on what the other offense is doing. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now. 
is this defense is so good and their habits and everything are just so spot on that we're reacting to whatever the offense does to a T. Yeah. And now, I mean, this is basically what we talked about is that all the offense needs to do is just go out and execute. Like, we're not asking the offense to go out and and throw 50-yard bombs and, like, you know, make negative three-yard plays into touchdowns. Like, that's not – we're not asking for individual skill. It's just string together, you know, maybe four or five good drives that leads us to seven or three points every game, and we're in a good spot. Like, we're not asking to be a gunslinging offense by any means. Um I kind of feel like that's where we're trending towards. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I 100% agree. Yeah. I think. And I'll take it. Yeah. And it kind of comes full circle, and this might be a good place to close in that um, it sort of depends on where your expectations start going. Yeah. And so if you're looking at this team saying, wow, if they could only score 30 to 5 points a game, mm-hmm. you know, what if – what if we did have that offense? How good they could be. You're totally entitled and correct. It would be awesome. But I think it's that thought that it pushes us into a world in which we are not. And uh, and what we are is, you know, the Utah model. And, like, keeping myself in check and my own expectations will be really important as the season goes on. Um, but also, like, using opportunities like a team like uh, you know, that we're going to run into next week as, or the Saturday as, as an opportunity to get better as an opportunity to kind of show a little bit more life. But, you know, even within that, like, I'm not expecting anything too much from North. I think we might win this game 30 to 10. I mean, we're 14 <laughs> point favorites yeah, by 30, Vegas, 30 to 10, but maybe. we were also 14 point underdogs to UW. So yeah, I, I, it's crazy how that flips. I'm not going into this saying it's an automatic win. Uh, nope. No win is. Yeah. Yeah, I think my closing thought on this is that a couple weeks ago, or actually maybe after the Davis game too, people were like angry that like, you know, some of us, you know, said that Garbers might be decent. Like he might not be bad, but he might not be great. And people were like, what does that mean? Like that's not good enough and blah, blah, blah. And you know, everyone saw the Davis performance and they were like, wow, we're going to be even more trash against a, a better defense that we have to play. But then in terms of like everything, we kind of played the same. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Totally. So exactly. So what if that's the case this year? What if regardless of the opponent, our 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 team is our our offense just scores somewhere between 25 to 27 points a game? It's the running game. Yeah. And the, the it's going to have to be the O-line. It's going to and that's why the Will Craig injury is really hurts. And it's going to have to be the running game. Yeah, and if some guys are going to have to step up. Yeah. And if we make that jump in that department, it's just going to be a super fun season. It's probably going to be in the range of 60 or 6 to 8 wins. I mean, 6 is ridiculous. I don't think we're only going to win 6 games, but whatever for the sake of being maybe a little bit real realistic uh if you have that and i think i mean we'll take it dude the best days that we've had at cal at least in my minds have been when we were rolling out these running backs like java best like shane vereen we'll like started Marshall with jj harrington like and that, that there's echamondu before that like it was a 
it was a very fun era that was built behind running the ball. And then we were blessed with hitting on Aaron Rodgers. And then, um, you know, we had a pretty much like a lot of busts. Like Nate Longshore was supposed to be good. He was uh, never really good for a little bit. It was all right. But like, you know, he had like Rodgers hype and it just wasn't there. Kevin Riley came in, Elite 11, and uh, like literally couldn't have been more disappointing. And then you bring in Zach Maynard with part of Keenan Allen and. And then you, you know, have that or I mean, and in, in a way it's very interesting because if you looked at like a Keenan Allen versus Chase Garbers and plug Chase Garbers in for Keenan Allen, we're probably a better team having Garbers at quarterback because Keenan, uh, sorry, not Keenan, Zach Maynard, Zach Maynard was so, uh, so turnover bad. prone yeah, and, and it also just horribly inaccurate. Um, so I think where I'm going with all this is just sort of like, and telling myself on a re-listen later in the year that it's okay if Garbers isn't great. We just need the run game to be good. If the run game starts to look a little wobbly. Mm. Yeah, that's true. It's very start, true. Start to sound the alarm a little bit. All right. Well, that wraps up our talk for the, the UW game. We have a bunch of questions. So I'm thinking what we should do with these questions isn't take our time with them. Well, I'm just going to ask you them boom, this boom, week, boom. and I'll just ask you. I'm going to ask you all the questions this week. You're going to answer all of them. Next week when we get questions, you ask me all the questions, I'll answer all of them. Hot seat? Yeah, pretty much. But call this it's the hot just seat segment? Hot seat segment. Sponsored by uh, Hot Ones on YouTube. <laughs> Please send us hot sauce. Please. Or hot wings. Or, Either or. Yep. We'll Either take or. both. Uh, but all right. So just like maybe one or two sentences on each thing that I ask you about. Good? Yeah. Here we go. How big a problem is the O-line? I don't think it's a problem at all. Will the second and third string guys be up to the job as they seem to be in the second half? The second and third string guys? Yeah. Be up to the task? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll give you more than I just gave on the O-line. Yes, and the reason why is because the staff gets everybody to compete at every single level. So uh, we we had next man up the last year. I expect no different this year. All right. How much credit does Baldwin deserve for the second half success, and does that give you encouragement? Uh, the some play design was actually pretty nice. I, uh, I do think he's scheming better this year. We haven't had as many complaints there. Um, I'll start praising Baldwin when we score thirty-five points in a game. Is Garbers improving fast enough? Definitely not. All right. Does your win total change? Nope. And for the record, that was eight wins regular season and a bowl win for me. Should I get my hopes up for the big game? Of course, we're gonna win. Uh, this is I'm gonna say actually who this is from. Nick Nick Krantz, our Monday column writer, says a segment laughing at Stanford and UCLA would be appreciated because one Stanford lost to a UCLA team that barely beat Fresno State last week. Sorry, SC. SC. Sorry, yeah. <clears throat> Stanford lost to an SC team that barely beat Fresno State last week and was just drubbed by them. And then UCLA. <laughs> Loses twenty three to fourteen to San Diego State. They lost the twenty. They lost twenty four to fourteen to Cincinnati the week before. And Cincinnati got demolished <laughs> by Ohio State. So here's 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 our laughing segment. We're gonna laugh for a second on three. One two three. <laughs> All right, <laughs> your laugh was better. I was gonna go with ha 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 And also to that one writer that tweeted out that Cal is going to lose against UC Davis and then went through UCLA (laughs) losing in back-to-back weeks. Yes. Karma. That's all I'm going to say. Is North Texas a trap game? Totally. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you have 
Ole Miss all of a sudden randomly looks good in S&P Plus, and it's on the road, SEC game, and you're rolling off a big win. You don't you have an inconsistent offense. Um, you roll into that too confident, and uh, you know weird things will happen. So yeah, totally. I mean, great way to kind of knock us back a peg. So I hope that doesn't happen. And uh, you know, as you said, like staff is ready because I think they will be, but you just don't know. I will say this. Um, I just wanted to interject here. Historically, over the last three years with Wilcox, we have been terrific against air raid, def- air raid offenses. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, one guy asks, what's the health status of Ash Davis? Uh, as we mentioned, or I don't know if we mentioned, but I don't think it's anything big. Uh, Wilcox on his press screen today didn't talk about Ashton Davis. He did talk about Will Craig being out for the season. So if he's not mentioning it or saying like he's nicked up or anything, then... Yeah, he's a full go. And our last question. How many points will be scored against North Texas? And what margin of victory against North Texas would you view as a success? 30 to 10. And I would take it as a I'd take 30 to 10 was what I said before. And I take that as a big win. What's the what's the bare like minimum you would view as a as a like a success successful win? 21 seven. And even then, I don't know. Like a, like a two touch, you want more than a two touchdown win. I think I'd be better with like twenty four seven, just something that's like more definitive. Yeah. Um. So like twenty eight fourteen. I don't care if we give up fourteen points. You know, twenty eight fourteen. I'd be. Well, right I don't mind the twenty eight fourteen if that last touchdown comes in garbage time, like you yeah. know, in the last like six minutes or something. We just throw in a last like three or four minutes. Yeah. Throwing all sure. our subs because we're already up and there's no way they can come back with that many points. Yeah, so. I, I mean, I'm fine with with all those. I think the big thing about this game is is as you said execution and then looking for you know looking for the progression um so if we start to see the progression great uh if not then yeah it's a it's you know it's it has one of those uh weird feelings about it so hope we take care of business yeah that's pretty much it i think i had one more question oh you did yeah from nick shadow sandrock his question Which was, was? Uh, and we'll throw it your way. I didn't see that one. On what bowl game are we going to? In what time will our game be on New Year's Day? <laughs> I think he's trying to infer that we're going to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> yep. We're playing that game. Um, in all honesty and all real talk, though, uh, ESPN uh, does their bowl predictions every week. And we were placed into the holiday bowl against, I believe, Wisconsin. Awesome. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. That's it's, a great. Ba- it's a battle of the run games. Chris Brown Jr. versus JJ Taylor. So yeah, I know I don't know. Um that would be fun. San Diego would be great. I'd love to but I'm not I'm not ready to say that we're we're gonna smell roses. Ask me again halfway through the season. And I'll probably be better. Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be in a better situation to tell you based on how we've done so far by that point. Yeah, it's a huge first step was winning at Washington. Yeah, so yeah, I, I Trey said that this this win or this game, if we won, would change the trajectory of the program into a like a higher hemisphere into the stratosphere. Basically, we already have a good recruiting class. Yeah, and, and I think we could, I think we did that. We just placed ourselves just on the map with this win, and especially. Because more people were talking about the game because of how what ha- what ensued 
like with the the two hour delay and everything, people were talking about the game a lot more. Yeah. Even though most of the people had gone to sleep, by a then. lot of people were. Yeah, I mean, I think Chris Fowler even mentioned it in Herb Street. Herb Street mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. And Brad Gilbert's tweeting about it. I was like, oh, this is great. Here's my last stat from the Cal UW game, and the NFL started this week too, so it's a little combination of both. Cal had more first downs against UW than the Browns had against the Titans. <laughs> oh, woohoo! Poor Browns fans. Oh, so much hype. So much hype. So much hype. So disappointing. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us here on the Golden Blogs podcast, the Bearcast. As usual, you can find us at CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com, on Twitter at Golden Blogs, myself at Rob11HWANG. You can find Andy at AndyJBeastMode. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Golden Blogs. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Those are the only SoundCloud. Those are the only places we're available right now. But subscribe, follow, share, like, do whatever. I look for the comments. I didn't find any comments for you to read this week. But if you leave us a comment, Andy, we'll read them on the air this week. Oh, we're promising that now. We're promising that now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if until someone does it, might as well. Sure thing. Yeah. Let's roll it on out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's it. See you in Berkeley, Saturday, 115. Oof, early start. Not really, but. 115, 125. 115. Let's get it. Here we go. And as always, go Bears. Go Bears. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com